At Walmart, there's a whole collection of black-led products that fit into your daily routine. We encourage you to show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. There is power in every purchase. Every time we purchase from a black-led brand, we make room for another black-led brand. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. Some amazing black-owned businesses that are available at Walmart include The Lip Bar, Zach and Zoe Honey, Partake Cookies, the list goes on and on. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black owned products you can add to your daily routine. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math and Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where Anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hell, I suck at dating. With Dean Ungler and Jared Haven, an iHeartRadio podcast. And welcome to Help I Suck at Dating, quarantine style. I'm currently in my father-in-law's office. Great for audio purposes. Uh, I'm joined via Skype with the one, the only, the wonderfully handsome, uh, endearing, sweet, uh, mustache man himself, Dean Ungler. Dean, how you doing, buddy? Are you not in the closet today? Uh, I came out of the closet. Uh, nice. Yeah, so Ashley and I have had a long talk long discussion and and I decided to come out of the closet and uh start recording from my father-in-law's office. That's good. It's probably a lot more comfortable outside of the closet. Yeah, I can be more myself. You know, I felt like I couldn't be myself inside there. I was just surrounded by clothing and shoes and I was distracted and I was lonely. Feels good. Feels good. All right. Well, that's good. Yep, I'm just hanging out, hanging out in bed. Just woke up. Dude, you just made me yawn. Waiting for Kaylin to bring me some coffee, hopefully, getting the week started, you know? Oh, that's very sweet. Does Kaylin bring you coffee every morning? No, sometimes I bring her coffee. So who wakes up earlier, mostly? Is it you or Kaylin? I guess I should text her. Uh, it, it, it's mostly her, but sometimes I'll get up earlier and make coffee. I brought her some breakfast in bed the other day. Ooh, what'd you make her? Uh, Honey bunches of oats. Ooh. How much milk did you put in? Like a quarter of the bowl, half the bowl? How much? How much of a milk well, guy are you? Oh, it's is. It's uh, I don't know. When you pour the milk in, it's like it doesn't really, um, it doesn't fill up the cereal very much. So you got to really underestimate how much milk you're supposed to put in because you don't want to be left with a you know a whole gallon of milk by the time you're done with your cereal. So that one's a little tricky. But I think I figured out the perfect formula for it. Well, sometimes I'm obviously I'm the type of guy where I will pour milk in and then I'll go back and pour m- more milk in because I don't like I usually have frosted flakes and frosted flakes get soggy within three and a half seconds, apparently. Uh, 
So I really moderate the amount of milk that goes into the bowl. This this is how you know we've been quarantined for three and a half weeks because we just had a two-minute discussion about how much milk should be poured into a cereal bowl. I think we're all starting to lose it a little bit. I'm going to say that I don't think I've ever even thought about pouring pouring milk into a bowl a second time. That's just as that's crazy to me. Maybe like a second bowl of cereal, yeah, but I'm not pouring any more milk in there unless I pour more cereal in there too. I think it says a lot about the type of person that I am. I overthink things. Uh, I, I'm too detail-oriented. Uh, I don't like soggy frosted flakes. I think it says a yeah. lot about my character. It really speaks to the to the haven. And yeah. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, we do have a wonderful episode coming up for you, Suck Army, today. Uh, we have a great guest uh, that will be calling in very shortly. It is Judge Lynn Toller from Marriage Boot Camp, Hip Hop Edition. You might also know her from Divorce Court. She is the judge that deals with divorces on TV. She is awesome, very personable, very outgoing. So I'm very excited to see what she has to say. Because uh, Marriage Boot Camp, the final episode airs this Thursday, I believe. The season finale, yes, Thursday, 10 p.m. on the WeTV. So she'll be coming up. We also have some of your wonderful listener questions that we couldn't get to last week. That was when uh, we posted on the Instagram asking for you guys just ask questions about anything dating uh dean myself quarantine all that good stuff and we do have uh, an email from anonymous so our good friend nick viol wrote in once again which is very nice of him he writes in like weekly i feel like at this point he writes in a lot yeah he writes in constantly um so we have a really cool episode i'm very excited to get to but dean how has your past week been uh better or worse the same well and also sorry to to go tangential here, but uh, Judge Lynn Toller also wrote 20 tips for surviving COVID-19, like in terms of your own sanity, it looks like, right? So maybe we can talk to her about that a little bit. Yeah, definitely talk to her about us keeping sane during this crazy time that we're currently living with. Good tease, yeah. Dean. That's see, Thanks. that's what Dean does. Like, I just kind of read the whole thing, but then Dean comes in and just... You, I'm a tease, what can I say? No, uh, you're, you're, you're perfect. You're like raw talent, you know what I mean? You're like... um. You're like Peyton Manning. You were just like, you were born to just take the NFL by storm. Me, I'm more like Alex Smith. Like, I got to work every second to just try to keep up to like a lower, like just a level behind you. You know what I mean? Peyton Manning works pretty hard, okay? He won a Super Bowl for the best team in the in the entire world. But um, last week's been good. I mean, nothing's really changed on, my, on our end. I would imagine probably same with you, right? I really feel like not much has the ability to change right now uh no not much has changed also so dean and i are, are skyping in right now and we also have uh, tori who is on skype and i just so happened to be watching tori because dean and i are just audio and tori's on video right now <laughs> i just realized that <laughs> i saw tori close up cleaning her teeth almost looking like she's brushing her teeth with the sleeve of her sweatshirt which i can't imagine is sanitary Okay, what I was doing is I just drank my coffee, and then I was like, oh, no, I wonder if my teeth are getting, like, yellow from how much coffee mm. I've been drinking while in, inside, because usually when I go to Starbucks and you get the straw, then it doesn't hit your teeth. So that was my whole thought process, but I didn't realize you guys were watching me. I also was thinking the other day that we are all living a life like Dean Ungler in the van, I feel like. But mm. everyone's washing their hair way less. Um, I bet you a million people aren't really putting on a ton of deodorant because you're not really going outside. Um, We're having a lot less fun than than we would in the van. 
for sure. As I was, there are a lot of questions on people asking you um, if you've been in the van at all. Are you guys like, what's the status of the van right now? Yeah, should we do that now, or should we get to the questions after we speak with Judge Lynn Toller, though? Well, let's just answer the question about the van. I'm curious too. Have you been in the van? Have you been driving the van at all? No, I can't take the van anywhere. Everywhere is closed. I wanted to take it to like some national parks, but every national park that I know of is closed. So there's really no point to take it anywhere because I can't take it anywhere. You could take a drive down the Pacific Coast Highway. I don't know if I you mean, want yeah, to get out okay. of the van. I took a drive in my Jeep down the Pacific Coast Highway. I got my motorcycle working and drove that a little bit. But there's no, there's no need for the van right now, which kind of is a bummer. And I really thought about taking it out too. And I still might at some point just like drive it up into some BLM land randomly and, and just like post it up for a couple of days. But uh but yeah it's crazy because not only is covid19 closing everything down in the cities and towns but all the parks and all like everything is closed um my friends told me that that him and his girlfriend who have been quarantined together tried to go surfing the other day and like the second they got to the beach uh it was like all marked off and like a, a beach patrolman came and like kicked him out right away so they're like super strict about everything here even in la so well there's something actually about the beach and covid19 that's very interesting that um that corona could actually be at the beach and in the surf and there's an article by cbs san francisco that i I won't get into now but you should check it out i'll send you the link and i'm playing the video right now which is really bad for audio sorry about that guys uh but it talks about how the coronavirus could potentially be in the ocean um which is quite but terrifying because doesn't it only live up like there's different um surfaces it can only live up like live on for so long i think steel it's like 48 hours it's quite a while it says i've it's 24 yeah i mean everybody listening should go to the cdc website and they obviously provide far better information than we could possibly ever tell you but uh, yeah, it lives. I, I know it lives on cardboard for quite a while. Uh, I think twenty-four hours lives on steel for a few days, if not more. So, I mean, that's why that's why you know they're they're recommending you wash your hands constantly because if you touch a doorknob that has potentially coronavirus on it, you know you and if you touch your face, then that could be big trouble. That's why they say just wash your hands, don't touch your face because uh, you want to be able to kill the virus if it is on your hands before you touch anything else. Uh, anyway. Um, Dean, I want Dean. When did you? I have a question for you. When did you break your leg again? When was this? December twenty third. So I feel weeks. I feel like this has been the longest stretch of your life because you're such an extrovert and you travel and you had the whole van life before anything happened and now you know you had the terrible accident where you broke your leg and now you can't go anywhere because of COVID nineteen. So where's your mental status at right now? How are you uh, doing emotionally? I mean. As shitty as it sounds to say, the fact that I can't do anything, I think I said this last week, like, I can't do anything because my leg is broken, but at least no one else is doing anything when I have to have, like, FOMO on, you know what I mean? So you're Uh, still, like, your leg is still pretty, you can't do much on it. Well, for the listeners out there, and Jared includes you, you guys can always go check out my blog, deanybabies.com. I just wrote about my recovery up till now. Um, I got, like, stem cell treatment uh, about a month ago. So, like, I can, like, walk. I can I can do things, but I'm still pretty limited. Uh, I can, like, kind of hike, but I can't rock climb. I can't skydive. I can... I rode my motorcycle the other day, which maybe wasn't the best idea, but I could still do it. Uh, yeah, so I can like, I can like 
kind of walk without a, if you saw me walking down the street and you didn't know who I was and it was like I had just gotten up for the day and I wasn't tired I probably wouldn't be limping you know yeah that makes sense I mean but the thing is everybody knows who you are when you walk down the streets Dean you're like the most famous guy but my point, right is, my point is like, if, you, if you weren't looking for a limp you probably wouldn't see the limp <clears throat> No, I got you. Um, so this is a question for both you and Tori. I'm curious, have you guys been trying something, anything new? Because I feel like all the time we tell ourselves, if we just had this amount of time uh, free, I could accomplish this and that and, and, and so on and so forth. Is there anything that you guys are trying right now that you've always wanted to do but haven't had the time to? Or I want to hear from Tori first. Um, I've been working a lot. So I haven't had like a ton of spare time where I'm like, oh, there's so much to do. Um, but I am a huge, huge extrovert. And so I'm never that person who's like, oh, I should read a book or I should do a puzzle. And I've been doing that so much lately. I just did finish a thousand piece puzzle and I legitimately like didn't know who I was. I had so much fun doing it. So that was something kind of new. How many pieces? Thousand piece. Whoa, that's a lot. Yeah, I just ordered a 2,000 piece, so things are getting a little wild. Oh. Damn, stepping up in the world. Dean, how many puzzle pieces was you, was your puzzle? Mine is the biggest they could make it was 200. Wow. Man, you Maybe suck. A lot. Tori's killing you in that department, in the puzzle department. Tori's dominating. <laughs> Tori, where do you find your puzzles? So the weird thing is, this one actually got shipped to iHeartRadio as just kind of a promotion. It was a Pixar puzzle. And I was going to send it to my sister and my brother-in-law because they love puzzles, but I just never got to it. And then this all happened. And I was like, well, I've literally nothing to do. So I just randomly had it. But I've been going online to try to buy new puzzles. And I and I only want to do 1,000 piece because then it just like really takes up your time. And they're like $76. Yeah, they're or expensive. if you get on Amazon, then you get one for like 30 It doesn't ship till June. Yeah. So I had to like pre, I finally found one on Amazon. I had to pre-order it. Um, and it's supposed to be here April 12th, but we will see. Are you wiping down all the packages that come? I try. It's so hard. I'm the fourth born child. So germs are like not a big deal to me, but I'm really trying to restructure myself to know like, Okay, put on gloves when I'm going to the grocery store, wipe down all the boxes, wipe down counters, but I'm trying as much as I can. Don't touch your face, Tori. When you did the 800-piece puzzle, did you do it all in one sitting, or did you take breaks? Do you mean a 1,000? So what? Did you just say a 100-piece puzzle? The 800-piece puzzle. I didn't do 800. I did a 1,000. Oh, I thought you said you did a 800, now you're doing a 1,000, or she, now you're doing a 2,000. She did 800 more than you. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, it, I did it over. So again, I'm such a rookie on puzzles. I realize now you got to start with the border and then work your way in. But I was just so excited all over over the characters' faces. I would just start putting things together. And then I was like, wait, where does this piece go? So now I'm ready for my 2000 piece puzzle to come. And I'm going to strictly work around the border and then on the way in. And I feel like that will make it less time. But the other one took me about three days, three or four days. Okay, okay. So you're really slow. That's fine. That makes me feel better about it. <laughs> I got a question. Listen, you did 500 pieces. That's like my five-year-old cousin does that. Wow. I did 200 pieces. Oh, that's, so that's like your two-year-old cousin. Um, <laughs> I have a question because I haven't done a puzzle in a very long time. What do you do with the puzzle after you're done? You accomplish this feat. You put together a thousand-piece puzzle or in Dean's case, a 200-piece puzzle. What do you do afterwards with it? You just destroy it? 
Yeah, I kept mine up for a few days, and then I was like, okay, I really got to... I really bonded with the characters, because, again, they were all cute, like, movie Pixar um, characters, so I kept feeling like they were my friends. You guys, it's getting really lonely over here for me. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, how do I break it down? And then finally, we're like, okay, we got to break it down, because let's get a new puzzle. But then I didn't realize how hard it is to find new puzzles. Um, but, yeah, you just kind of destroy it. But the hard thing is, usually, you would pass off the puzzle to somebody else and be like, oh, have fun with it. But you can't in this time, because... You know, you could be asymptomatic or you could have touched something at one point um, or whatever. So now we're just kind of like holding it. This is what you could do. You could flip all the pieces over and upside down and then do it that way. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, but it sounds like a good little challenge. Anyway, I don't know. Um, Should we take a break and then get Judge Lynn Toller on the phone? Yes. Absolutely. So for the listeners out there, stay tuned. We're going to be right back and we'll get her on the phone. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another and every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes, and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. The Pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight, and honestly, the answer is yes. Ashley adopted Lois, and I didn't know until I actually picked her up and saw her with my own eyes that we were taking this dog home. But I took one look at Lois, and my life has never been the same, and I love her so much, and I'm very grateful for that moment that Ashley decided to adopt Lois. So it really was love at first sight for me. Adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime of meaningful connections. A pedigree loyalty survey revealed that 95% of dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than expected, and another pedigree loyalty survey revealed 90% of first-time dog owners report that having a dog improved at least one relationship in their lives. We have adopted two dogs. First was Pappy and the second was Alistair. And I got to tell you, I didn't know I could love such a little creature so much with Pappy. He just stole our hearts right away. He was so attached to us. And even with Alistair, we got him and we fostered at first and then decided to adopt not long after that. Just a few days after. They bring so much light into our lives. After we lost Pappy, I was Kaylin and I agreed to maybe take a couple months off from having a dog in our lives, and not even a week later, we we couldn't stand it anymore. There's just so much light that coming home to a dog brings into our lives, and and whenever we're on a trip, all we can ever think about is coming back home and seeing Alistair. So, I I love adoption. I think adopting dogs is the way to go. They are so grateful for it. They definitely love you harder because they know what you took them from and and the great life that you're giving them real love can exist between pet and pet parent pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes and we can attest that love at first sight is closer than you think it's available at your local dog shelter find love at first sight with the pedigree adoption drive june 7th to 9th and the pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide visit pedigree.com adoption drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions At Walmart, there's a whole collection of black-led products that fit into your daily routine. We encourage you to show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. There is power in every purchase. Every time we purchase from a black-led brand, we make room for another black-led brand. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. Some amazing Black-owned businesses that are available at Walmart include The Lip Bar, Zach and Zoe Honey, Partake Cookies. The list goes on and on. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black owned products you can add to your daily routine. 
I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Help I Suck at Dating. We have a great guest who is currently on the line right now. You know her from Divorce Court and Marriage Boot Camp Hip Hop Edition, which the season finale is this Thursday, 10 o'clock on WE TV. It is Judge Lynn Toller. Judge, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, no. Well, first of all, how are you doing through this, this quarantine? Right now, we're Skyping, and I can see that you were in your office, I believe. Yeah, no, we're doing great. Uh, today's my husband and I's 31st wedding anniversary. So right. we've got our little uh, mini party planned, me and our two kids, me, him, and our two kids, and the dog. That sounds amazing. Well, congratulations on your wedding anniversary. Right. What's the party consist of? Are you guys going to have, like, uh, cook dinner they together? Over and I'm cook. Oh, and there we go. It. That sounds like a good party. That sounds like yeah. all we can do right now anyway. Um, exactly. So, Judge, tell us a little bit about uh, Marriage Boot Camp uh, Hip Hop Edition and why you wanted to get involved with the show. Yeah. Marriage Hoop, uh, uh, Boot Camp Hip Hop Edition is – I've been on Marriage Boot Camp for a long time, maybe about 10 years, and I really love the hip hop editions because uh, it speaks to young people. It speaks to a current culture. It speaks to a community, and it gives everybody an opportunity to look at the reality stars that are often you know, coming apart on TV and watching us go through some exercises to help bring them together. And so you did, you were on divorce court um, for 13 years, 13 seasons, is that correct? 13, yep. Wow, well, and, and uh, so now you're on Marriage Bootcamp. How did you initially get involved in becoming a judge on television? Because you were a judge in, in Cleveland prior to this, if I'm correct? Yeah, in Cleveland Heights. I got a telephone call one day at my courthouse that said Fox called. And that was on a Monday. I called them back. They said, do you have any tape of you doing stuff? I said, yes. I sent that Tuesday. They got it Wednesday. I was in L.A. on Friday. And I first did the show Power of Attorney. That didn't work out. Uh, I was retired for five years just hanging out. And then Divorce Court came along, and I've been on there. I was on there for 13 years. Wow. Is there one case that you remember that really stands out? Oh, so many. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the woman who used to hum to, uh, manage her stress called the hummer. She made, uh, we made Ellen on that one. Uh, but yeah, a lot of them stand out 13 years. It's a long time and everybody's, you know, half in the bag. No, oh, I can only imagine there must be like 10,000 that stand out to you right now. Um, but I, I, yeah, I've, I've watched divorce court before and it's a fascinating show. I remember thinking, um, 
you know, who would go on this show and bring all their baggage? Because it's it's some of the the, the cases are just so crazy, and, and people come in, and, and obviously you are the judge, jury, and executioner. I'll tell you why they come. <laughs> they come because the women bug the living daylights out of their dude to make them come because they want me to tell the dude that they, the dude is wrong and the dude comes to shut her up. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> that's about nine out of 10 times. That's exactly what's going on. Do you typically side? I mean, not going in being biased or anything, but do you typically side with the women or the men? Do you think? Neither. I fuss at everybody because everybody's a little bit wrong all the time. <laughs> no, that's a good way. You got to look at it. You're a judge, so you look at it both sides. I like that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Judge, can we hear about the? I want to hear about the Hummer. The Hummer. Now I'm on hum for you, and I'm gonna apologize in advance because I can't sing. Okay. But the Hummer, every time he said something she didn't like, she would go, <laughs> and she hummed through the whole show because everything he she he said she didn't like. And so they were getting divorced because of the humming. No, they were getting divorced because he was running around on her. She was oh. humming to deal with it. Okay, so she, she was right to be humming then a, a little bit. There you go. Okay, okay. Uh, humming to get through <laughs> it. It's either hum or divorce, apparently. Um, so, <laughs> so, Judge, we wanted to talk about your um, this, uh, I guess, article uh, about... Right. Um, surviving COVID confinement uh, and you give about 20, 20 tips, I'd say, 20 pieces of advice right. of how to mentally get through this period right now. Um, and so I have the list in front of me, some really good stuff on here. Uh, one of the things, the first one you talk about is it literally says, talk about it. It's not business as usual. So you have to talk about how you want it to work. What things are we going to schedule and do together? How are you going to give everybody the alone time that they need? I can relate to that because my wife and I, we we spend so much time together already. We were very close friends for a couple of years before we started dating. And so we've, we kind of grew um, a rapport with one another. But it's tough now because, you know, she always craves attention. And sometimes I just need alone time. And before right. quarantine, we were able to get that. But now I feel like a jerk. Because, you know, sometimes at night after dinner, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to go to my room and just play video games. And she's like, why? Why are you going to your room? Let's watch TV. And I was like, it's not that I don't want to be with you. I just need, it's like for my own mental sanity, I need to just not do anything and just play a video game for like two hours just to feel better. It's weird, but. Right. And, 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 and a lot of people are like that. I'm a lot like that. But the thing you have to do is discuss it at the outset. Look, baby, I need a lot of alone time. I, hope, I told that to my husband when we got married. And I said, I need a lot of alone time. I'm that chick. So I'm going to have an extra bedroom. Uh, I'm not mad at you when I go in there. I just need alone time. If you tell him in advance he doesn't get hurt, why are you leaving? Why are you leaving? Why are you doing that? You're explaining to him the quirk in your head that you need to satisfy that has nothing to do with your love or feelings for her. So if you talk about it beforehand, knowing that it's not business as usual, you can talk about it as your quirk, as opposed to you responding to her feelings of hurt because she misinterpreted your act. So it looks like you're also recommending to keep a schedule, even though a lot of us have nothing to do. 
Yeah, because and, and that's how things get long and boring and crazy. You know what I mean? And, and you was like, what next? What next? So I was like, hey, baby, we're going to do uh, dessert and wine at five. You're going to pick the comedian tonight. We'll do that from from uh, seven to eight. Uh, I'm going to run around on the treadmill. So you have something to look forward to. And so you have a schedule that keeps you from de- sitting on the couch and deflating. You got something you got to do and somewhere you got to go at a certain time, even if it's in the next room. Yeah, do you guys do you think you guys have kept the schedule, you and Ashley? Um, I mean, we've been helped by uh, whether it be podcasts or, um, you know, I'm still doing Hoffer. Uh, and so we've been helped by doing things like that. But no, we haven't kept a, a schedule. Like I work out daily, which is one of the, the tips that um, the judge has on there, exercise. Um, and so I've been trying to do that like every it's, it's hard though. It's hard because like the days are just repeating themselves so much that it's hard to keep up the motivation to be like, okay, at this time I'm going to do that. And then in an hour I'm going to do this. Um, and so but you don't have to schedule it that tight and you don't have to schedule the same things. You know, you can have martini Monday and then on Tuesday, what we're going to do is take that walk. On Wednesday, we're going to paint the back side of the house tomorrow. I mean, you schedule something. It doesn't have to be all day, but you have to ha- just say, oh, okay, we'll schedule two or three hours where we're going to get together. We're going to do this. We're going to look forward to it We're going or, 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 or look forward to getting it over with. But it, it, it gives you a sense that you continue to move. How about you, Dean? Have you and Kaylin done anything like that? Um, I kind of am on uh, the judge camp where – it's never the same thing, but we always kind of have a structure to our day, uh, which has been pretty helpful. I like we're at three, what, three and a half weeks into this. And I honestly like haven't really gotten super bored yet, which I think is a, a, a good thing. But I'll also like I have different things that I need to be doing throughout the day, like uh, or like random days. Like last week, I restored my motorcycle. Uh, this week, I'm going to work on my van a bunch. Next week, you know, hopefully I'll have another thing that I know that I need to do then. So. I like have like little mini projects that I make sure that I work on at least a little bit throughout the week. Um, but then as far as our schedule goes, like, you know, we wake up at what, like nine or 10, make coffee, make breakfast, hang out for a little bit. We'll like work out. Uh, she's been practicing ukulele. Uh, and then we'll like have dinner. And, like we always have like a set dinner thing too. So I don't know. I feel like we've done a pretty good job of at least like maintaining our sanity a little bit during all of this, which is good. Yeah, we spend a lot of time learning. I spend a lot of time learning new stuff because it's it's better than TV or just spending time because it you know you could get you get concentrated on it, involved in it, and time really goes by when you do that. And it's also something that you can get better at. And so there's a you get a little uh, a series of wins throughout the week. You know what I mean? Oh, now I know seven ti- Chinese characters instead of the two. Now I can crochet five stitches instead of the one you know so it's um it, it gives you a sense of achievement because we humans we don't do nothing very well you know yeah. what i mean we we, we kind of just kind of you know we're like like a like gases when we got too much time and too much space we just kind of float out there but if you've got hey i got a direction it doesn't have to be important i don't need to know how to crochet i don't need to know chinese <laughs> characters but why not what's something new that you've learned 
uh, I'm, I'm learning Chinese characters. I bought uh, crochet needles and yarn uh, two days before we went down. And so I've got a whole big box of half crocheted crap. I'm learning how to draw realistic looking eyes. I've drawn a sphere that looks 3D. Because you can learn anything on YouTube, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be a master at nothing but a dabbler in everything <laughs> that's my mo right there master and none but a dabbler in everything i've um i we've been doing a, actually a pretty decent job of keeping a schedule like along the same lines of dean said waking up getting coffee uh you know having some reading time and then exercise and then have dinner and i'm on the same lines with dean surprisingly knock on wood i haven't been super bored to think about that it's already april 6th uh yeah. It doesn't right? feel like it's been that long of a stretch of a period. Um, you know, it's something new I've done too. You know those master classes online? Oh, I, yeah. I bought, so I bought one because I've always wanted to write a screenplay. So I bought one, uh, one of the classes from Aaron Sorkin, who is a very, very famous screenwriter. He's written Social Network. Uh, he wrote A Few Good Men. He wrote The West Wing. And so I'm four classes into that. And then I actually- Do you I, like it? I really like it. Uh, it's fascinating. The thing is, it's very, like you said, Judge, you can get everything on YouTube. And so I've listened to a lot of interviews with Aaron Sorkin. So it is very similar. It's a lot of the things that right, I already knew because right. a lot of it is just, uh, it's not really workshops. But uh, mm -hmm. but again, I'm only four classes in. And so in each class is only about 20 minutes. So um, I still have about like 10 to go. So I'm excited. It's fun. Wow. you know. So I bought that one and I bought one from Ron Howard. Uh, about directing and he directed uh apollo 13 he directed the da vinci code um he's directed a lot of famous films oh and yeah he's done a lot i mean yeah how the grinch stole christmas with jim carrey an underrated christmas movie in my eye but i digress <laughs> well i had a question because a lot of people i think are kind of being forced to really understand their partner right now if it's like a new relationship or you're seeing your partner in a different situation that you know you would have never seen them in before how, what do you do if you are the person who's driven, who has a schedule, who has all this done, but your partner does not want to make a schedule, doesn't really have any hobbies or passions, isn't really looking to do anything? What can you do to present that? Because I'm sure that would get really irritating. You know, you're like, I'm making a schedule to work out and better myself, but my partner doesn't want to do that. How do you go about that conversation? Do you go about that conversation? Do you just extend grace? Like, what's, how do you, you manage You that? absolutely do have that conversation. And, that, and that's part of the... COVID conversation. So instead of coming at it, you need to do this, you need to do that. It's like, we got this new unique circumstance going on. Let's try this and let's try that. I know I'm going to be doing this, that, and the other. I'm going to meet up, you know, and if you're not into schedules, that's fine, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Why don't you give it a try? So it's a like, it's you and him or you and her against the COVID, not you against the other one. Hmm. I like that perspective. Yeah, well, that makes did sense. Did Kaylin ask you to ask that question? To, <laughs> to question? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not texting her. Don't worry uh, about it. Wait, I, why? Uh, Who wants to make the schedule? You or Kaylin? No, I'm just kidding. I was just pretending. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not kidding. I Who would want? predict Kaylin would be the one making the schedule, being like, Dean, let's go do things. And Dean being like, I got caught, caught, Call of Duty to, to tend to. I mean, let's be honest. I could play Call of Duty until the cows come home. So, yeah, sometimes she has to pry me off of it. But, uh yeah. How did Jared, how do you manage your video game time? Does does Ashley ever get upset with you for playing too many video games? I don't I don't really play that many video games. Like I said, if I play 
So I'm the type of person that I have a difficult time sitting in one spot for a long stretch of time, which actually Ashley does not like because she likes to binge watch television shows and I can't sit there for more than two hours, which is why I like movies because it's just right. the right amount of time where I can sit, watch something, and then and then I'm like, okay, I'll get up and I just got to do something else. Literally, especially right now, it's just walking outside or doing something different. But So video games, I could play for like a, an hour and a half, two hours, and then I start you know, I need to just do something else. So it works out pretty well, honestly, because it's just a nice getaway. And then I come back. I really want to learn how to play because I, I learned how to play keyboard a little bit a couple of years ago. And I really want to learn how to play piano. Like I want to become a good pianist. And there's a piano at my in-laws house. But the problem is the piano is in the middle of the damn house. And so if I was learning how to play, everybody in the house could hear me and I'm, I would drive them to insanity even faster than they're already on their path to. <laughs> on a faster bullet train than they're already on. Huh? And it's yeah. just like this piano is teasing me because everywhere I look, it's just there and it's this beautiful black piano. But I, unless they're out of the house, I, I can't play in front of them because I'm yeah. too insecure. I'm not that good. And plus, like, I'm learning Rob Thomas songs, you know, and like, it's just embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but judge, I wanted to uh, just to scroll down a couple more. One that I actually really wanted to point out because uh, I have a problem with this, and I know a lot of people do as well. This isn't actually about a relationship. This is more kind of like the times that we're going through right now. But you said um, number twelve: stay informed generally, know what's happening locally, but don't live the news. And I am one hundred percent on board with that. I'm trying to stay informed as much as possible, but I find myself constantly refreshing twitter or listening to the news and i'm realizing how bad that is for my mental state right now because the amount of information that's just being thrown at us hourly uh is is too much to handle and so i agree with you where i think and by tomorrow it's no good anymore you know that the information i mean you you know people are like why aren't they doing the right things that there are a lot of reasons don't get me wrong i'm not (laughs) saying we got this right at all but we're learning as we go. It's a fluid situation. So everybody's going to have a whole lot of opinions. Your fear shows up before anything else. And you'll click on fearful things before you'll click on just regular things. And people know that. So they they lead with the fearful stuff. You get. I read everything I read. I read with that in mind because everybody has multiple uh, reasons why they write and, wh- and why, the write, why they write the way they do. And a lot of it is... How do I come to the top of all of the the, no, the COVID noise? And you click on the more extreme stuff. This is it. You, you see what I'm saying? So every time I look, I look with that as a piece of it in mind. That's number one. Number two, I've got designated times at which to look. I can't look in the evening because you take that, you know, in the morning, everything seems fresher and newer. You can take stuff in and you feel like you can take some action, even if it's, you know, you know, uh, doing one thing or another, making a mask or whatever, but don't do it at night. You know, just have a rule about that. Don't do it at night. And if you can't manage that, I have, I put screensavers that deal with my current foolish action. What are you doing, Lynn? Are you worrying? So I can't go on Google without seeing that first. Is it, is it between seven and five? What you doing? So you have to, you have to have creative ways to manage your mind. And I'm always, the fight is never with, the first fight you have in any fight 
It's not with the COVID. It's not with your loved ones. It's with you. And you have to fight your, I don't know. You seem very, very a relaxed dude. <laughs> very cool, calm, and confident. I want you in a foxhole with me when we're fighting because I know you won't lose your mind. I will lose my mind. But you have, so I have to manage my mind in a way that is like, okay, crazy lady, don't come out today. You should tell my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool, I'm calm, I'm collective. She thinks I'm paranoid. I'm just I'm just trying to stay ahead of the curve, you know? Yeah. Um, no, you're a thinker. You're like you you know, you know, you 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 manage it, you know. It's it's easy not to be a, afraid if you're not paying attention. If you're paying attention, there are a lot of variables and variables are hard on you. Totally. Um Judge, well thank you so much for joining us. So you have your new season of Marriage Bootcamp Hip Hop Edition coming out, right? Or is that already out? Well, uh, the the uh, as he said, the uh, finale yeah. for this one is next week, I think. Uh, and, I have it down at this Thursday, actually. This Thursday, yeah. Yeah, and, it looks like it's this Thursday. Uh, there's another season coming in a month or so that'll oh. be on there. So yeah. you already filmed that? Mm-hmm. Obviously. Mm-hmm. So for the listeners out there, if you're looking for something to binge, be sure to check out Marriage Boot Camp. You'll get to watch uh, Judge Lynn Toller on there as well, but... Judge, before we part ways, anything you want to say or, or uh, anywhere we can find you on Instagram, Twitter, anything like that? Yeah, you can find me at Real Judge Lynn on Twitter and Instagram. I've written a new book called Dear Sonali, Letters to the Daughter I Never Had. It's, had, it's about, a, a, it's my letters to, I have six sons and don't nobody want to talk to me. <laughs> so <laughs> I wrote down my thoughts about dating, love, and womanhood in a book called Dear Sonali, Letters to a Daughter I Never Had. I published it at the beginning of the year. And uh, if you ain't got nothing else to do, you can read that. <laughs> did you keep trying? Did you want a girl? Oh, my God. Oh, you poor thing. So much. So much. But I married a dude with four kids mm. and then I, four boys. And then I fooled around and had two more boys with him. And <laughs> after that, I gave up because I figured he can't do girls. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to have a seventh son looking for a girl, you know, not doing it. Wow. Six boys. Six. You must be so tired. <laughs> you poor oh, thing. Oh, my God. And I came from a home where it was me, my mother, my sister, and dad came in and out because he worked all the time. So it was like a very female house. And then I got married to a dude with five dude kids <laughs> and everything. Things were breaking and everybody was falling. And what's all this noise about? And they're fighting. So, you know, I just, it was a whole new, extraordinary, uh, massive test. <laughs> yeah, it's a brave new world with six boys. I'll tell you that much. Holy crap. Oh, my God. Well, Judge, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, Stay safe, stay healthy out there, and we certainly will be tuning in Thursday, 10 o'clock on WeTV for the season finale of Marriage Boot Camp Hip Hop Edition. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another and every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes, and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard. The pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Ashley adopted Lois and I didn't know until I actually picked her up and saw her with my own eyes that we were taking this dog home. But I took one look at Lois and my life has never been the same and I love her so much. And I'm very grateful for that moment that Ashley decided to adopt Lois. 
So it really was love at first sight for me. Adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime of meaningful connections. A pedigree loyalty survey revealed that 95% of dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than expected. And another pedigree loyalty survey revealed 90% of first-time dog owners report that having a dog improved at least one relationship in their lives. We have adopted two dogs. First was Pappy and the second was Alistair. And I got to tell you, I didn't know I could love such a little creature so much with Pappy. He just stole our hearts right away. He was so attached to us. And even with Alistair, we got him and we fostered at first and then decided to adopt not long after that. Just a few days after. They bring so much light into our lives. After we lost Pappy, I was, Kaylin and I agreed to maybe take a couple months off from having a dog in our lives. And not even a week later, we we couldn't stand it anymore. There's just so much light that coming home to a dog brings into our lives. And and whenever we're on a trip, all we can ever think about is coming back home and seeing Alistair. So I I love adoption. I think adopting dogs is the way to go. They are so grateful for it. They definitely love you harder because they know what you took them from and, and the great life that you're giving them. Real love can exist between pet and pet parent. Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes, and we can attest that love at first sight is closer than you think. It's available at your local dog shelter. Find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive June 7th to 9th, and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com adoption drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. At Walmart, there's a whole collection of black-led products that fit into your daily routine. We encourage you to show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. There is power in every purchase. Every time we purchase from a black-led brand, we make room for another black-led brand. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. Some amazing black-owned businesses that are available at Walmart include The Lip Bar, Zach and Zoe Honey, Partake Cookies, the list goes on and on. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black owned products you can add to your daily routine. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back with Help I Suck at Dating. Dean was supposed to take us in, but he's not listening right now. Uh, Tori, you said you have a question. Yeah, he's not listening. Um, Okay, so on one of her questions, she said, be aware of your own annoying habits and try to keep them to a minimum. And if you can't stop, at least acknowledge the irritation it causes. Sometimes that's enough. What do you guys think or what has your partners expressed to you is the most annoying thing you guys do? especially in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think actually it's probably just my overall 
pessimism or my overall, um, like the judge said, I, I think what I do is I really think about situations and I project into the future. Um, and I mean, it, you have good days and bad days, but, and so I think, uh, in, certainly over the past, you know, at the times that I've been at the in-laws house, um, you know, I'm just very cautious about everything. And so I think that has been, uh, a bane in some people's existence here, unfortunately, but I just, you know, it's just a scary time and I'd rather be overly cautious right now than underprepared. So I think that's an annoyance. Um, my, and again, like I said about the news, listening to the news constantly, I think is, is, is annoying. Cause like we said, there's just new information every, every hour. And so like, I'm just trying to keep up with it and I don't think it's really healthy or, or, um, it's, it's not, it's just not healthy. That's what it really comes down to. Dean, your own personal annoyance. That I, the way that I annoy Kaylin, um, I mean, I'm always, well, this is no secret, but I've always been sarcastic. And I think sometimes, uh, what she, <laughs> I always say the same thing whenever she's like saying something silly or like, we're like, uh, joking with each other. I always end it by saying, you're a real piece of work. And I think she like laughed at it the first couple of times, but on day 23 of quarantine of calling her a real piece of work, she's kind of got started to, to get a little frustrated with me. You know, it's funny. Is I'm reading Colton's book right now, and Kalen's in it. How's the book? Uh, it's actually very good. I really like it. I'm about, I'm almost done. I'm about a little over 200 pages in, and um, to put that, I I started yesterday, so you can imagine I I've been haven't really put it down. But my curiosity: Did Colton have to ask Kalen to mention her by name, or is because she's a public figure? It doesn't matter. I'm not gonna. I can't really speak on Kalen's behalf, but as far as I understand it, he didn't say anything about it. Oh, okay. It it doesn't portray her in any bad light. He says only wonderful things about her, and then he just talks about uh, his season of The Bachelor, kind of episode by episode. And obviously, she's mentioned mentioned quite a bit. Um, but uh, but the books is yeah, the book is really good. It's about Colton's early life, and then his transition into football, Bachelor, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, he makes some revelations in there that have already been, you know, put out in press outlets. Uh, his his battle with his own um, sexual identity being one of them, not really knowing at a young age if he was gay or straight. Um, he talks about one instance, which is um, pretty traumatizing. If I was, you know, as a kid, you know, you think about being caught either, you know, doing... Uh, well, you guys know exactly where I'm going with this one. Uh, doing that or, you know, looking up porn and he got caught by his dad looking up porn, but he wasn't looking up just straight porn. He was looking up gay porn as well because he just didn't know at a young age. It's pretty fascinating. Gives a lot of insight to his life. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that's how we got onto the topic of how did I get how did I get here? <laughs> Uh, I don't. If you were to write a book about your experience on The Bachelor, do you think you would just be like writing about people that uh, were part of your experience, but aren't necessarily uh, encouraging you to write about them? Like, uh, if you wrote a book, how in depth would you be about the whole Kayla situation? You know, like I think it's kind of silly and a, a little unfair to the people that he's mentioning in the book. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I guess I'm, you know, answer this any way you want, Dean. Are you annoyed that he mentions Kaylin in the book? Oh, I personally, the annoying thing is, it's just like it's bringing things up that he's like probably writing about things that maybe he doesn't 
uh, he shouldn't be writing because it involves more people than just him. And from my experience with this is it's, you know, if Caitlin's in the book, people have been like DMing her about the book and she's like, well, what the, like, I didn't ask for this. This isn't, you know, this, it, 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 it's out of my control, whatever. I just think it's like, at least give them a heads up, get like the go ahead, get like the, their permission to write about certain things. Wait, um, yeah, that's crazy. So he didn't ask her prior to releasing the book if this information was okay to add in? As far as I understand, yeah. I mean, again, I can't speak for her entirely, but that's, that's what I understand. And I would imagine that's probably with everyone else too. And then it's like, I don't know. I, I've, I have specific feelings about this, uh, more so than just him writing about the, the girls that were on the season. But, uh, but I just don't think- you, playing devil's advocate, don't you kind of think that if he, I, I haven't read the book either, so Jerry could speak on this too. Um, if he only released information based on what the show produced or had, you know, portrayed on The Bachelor his season, don't you think it's kind of fair game to talk about? Or, Jared, was there more that, like, wasn't shown on TV? From uh, reading it thus far, there isn't anything that I don't already know from watching The Bachelor. He's not giving okay. any type of... I mean, he's giving stuff about himself, um, his time during The Bachelor and his battle with producers at times and um, things like that. But he's not giving any, like, oh, this is actually how someone is when they're not on camera they're actually mm-hmm. this way compared to what you think they are there's nothing like that um but i can also you know like i said i don't know if he if he talked to any of the people that he's writing about in the book and some people are written about more than others like i said i mean Kaylin's name is so far only being mentioned um because she was a a, a character on the show you know if, if, if that makes sense like from what i'm reading thus far she, he, he's writing it it's like almost a recap of what happened on the bachelor it's not rewriting any history um Gene, would you read the book um i don't know actually i guess i'd probably read it i guess my question with it is it's like what was his purpose for writing the book did he feel like he had a story to tell that wasn't told on his season or post season. My, my answer to that is probably not like we already kind of know his story. So what's his reason for writing it then is probably to sell books and make money. And so if you're going to sell, if you're writing a book for the purpose of selling them to make more money, then you can kind of write about whatever you want. Uh, I'm not going to say he's like fabricating anything, but I'm just saying it like kind of like skews your intention a little bit. And it kind of like, I don't know for me, muddies the water in a, in a sense. But I don't know. It is what it is. I'm sure it's a good book. I, as far as I understand, the process wasn't him writing it. He like basically did an interview that then got transcribed into a book. Uh, but that's neither here nor there either. I don't. I don't really know exactly where I'm going with this. But I'd probably read it. I guess I. I, I don't see why not. Especially if it's a quick read. If Jared can get through it in a couple of days. If I can get through it for a couple of days, damn anybody. Anybody can. I. I don't read. I don't read too good, guys. How did you get a copy of it? Um, Ashley, Ashley bought it, um, because we're, we're, we're pretty friendly with Colton. Um, I like Colton and I can't say his name, Colton. I always don't pronounce the T. It's so bad. I can't pronounce names. What is wrong with me? The Rhode Island public school system has failed me. Um, so Colton, uh, was going to send us a book, but obviously he, as everybody knows, had COVID-19 
And so he couldn't send any of his personal stuff. And so Ashley just went ahead and bought the book and then it came in. And so I was looking for something to read. And obviously I would find this pretty fascinating because we know Colton and we know his story or at least most of it. So I started reading it. It's, it's, it is really well written. There's definitely no offense to Colton. I'm sure he's a, he writes very well, but it, it, it definitely comes off as, as a ghost writer, someone who's, um, a very seasoned author. Um, and it's, 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 it's pretty good. Um, but uh, what I will give credit for Colton with this book, it doesn't, he's not portraying himself in this glowing light either, which I really enjoy about it. He, at least from the perspective of the author and, and the perspective of Colton in this book, he's being very brutally honest with his intentions. Like in the book, it pretty much says that he went on paradise because he wanted to be the bachelor. Um, which I actually loved the honesty. <laughs> like I was reading that thinking to myself, I, and how much he, he wanted to be the bachelor. Like he was craving it. And, uh, I don't know. I just love that level of honesty, you know? And then obviously everybody can make up their own minds, whether that's right, wrong, so on and so forth. But, um, in terms of him just admitting it, I was like, all right, that's, I, uh, I'm, I'm here for it. I love that. Um, so anyway, but uh, so that's what I've been doing, and then uh, still not playing piano because it's in the middle of the house, and that's my life pretty much right now, summed up in one. Not to beat that horse here, but I don't necessarily like that either, just because it makes me question the intentions of everything that he's done. You know? Yeah, I mean, I like, think if I'm being honest, I I I think all of us are kind of in the same boat to a certain extent. Like, I mean, like I mean, if let's take this podcast for example you know i mean do we love doing it because we love talking about our own dating relationships and giving advice or do we do it because it's a platform and we get to have an iHeartRadio podcast which is so freaking cool and people want to listen to us for whatever reason even though we i feel like i just spew nonsense constantly um and so i think there's i i you know i don't know i i think for me personally I don't think I've ever made a decision in my life solely based on one, whether it was right or it was wrong. I think there was a lot of, a lot of uh, reasons as to why I made certain decisions in my life. All right, let's get to some relationship questions. How do you commit to a long distance relationship, especially if it's new? I feel like that could actually be happening to a lot of people right now because everyone's going back home to their families to spend this time away. Um, well, I think now's a great time, uh, for, uh, FaceTimes and, um, uh, phone conversations. Uh, I mean, sure. I mean, now's the time to get to know someone, right? I mean, there's nothing else to do. You can't see each other in person. You can't get to know each other, uh, physically. So get to know each other, uh, emotionally and mentally, uh, via FaceTimes, phone conversations, um, what they like, what they don't like, um, you know, and it's, you can, listen, we're in this quarantine for quite a while, for at least another month. So, you know what, come up with like FaceTime dinner dates, you know, like, hey, I'll, I'll call you at eight, you know, instead of I pick you up at eight, I'll call you at eight. And then, you know, maybe you guys can dress up a little bit because God knows we've all wearing sweatpants for the past three weeks. But I think what could be hard is that you're, <clears throat> you're not really giving each other time or space to not respond to a text. Like when somebody texts, you immediately respond because you're not doing anything else. So what's a way that somebody could take um, 
texting and not make it stagnant or repetitive? Like, what's a way they can keep that alive as well during this time? Well, Tori, let's ask you this question because Jared and I are quarantined with our significant other. This but is true. you're quarantined alone, right? <laughs> yes, I love that you love to emphasize that. Do you have, do you have roommates or is it, is it just you in the apartment by yourself? So I have another roommate that I'm with right now. We technically, I have two other roommates, but one went to Arizona. Okay, good. So what, I guess my, my point was, it's good that you're not entirely alone. <laughs> For sure. Right. <laughs> because I can only, I was like, <laughs> I was looking at some of my friends. Sorry, I didn't mean to make it that like. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I didn't mean to put the spotlight on it that much. But my point is, it's like sure. if you're quarantined by yourself, like fully by yourself with no partner and no roommate, I can only imagine the things that you would do to like stay busy. I would, I would, I, you know, I at this point I haven't showered in three days. I would go, I probably wouldn't have showered once since the quarantine began if I was by myself. <laughs> so I guess my question for you is, how did, how have you been filling that void? Um, especially with like men, with guys that you've either been talking to or have met just recently, what do you do? Yeah, no, I think that, I mean, to be honest, I've been, I'm somebody like, I was trying to think about that question when I was like, oh, cause I don't have a significant other to pinpoint what my, um, irritations would be to them or something that would bother them. But I was thinking about what it, what it may, what, like what it would possibly be if I did have somebody else that I was spending time with right now. And I think it would be that I'm always on my laptop because I love to work and I'm constantly working. So therefore, I feel like I fill a lot of my void with work and busy work. But at the same time, like this has been a time where I've been realizing that I think I put work too much on the forefront and I need to be more aware of like, if we ever had this situation again, I would have somebody else to spend that time with. So for me, it's kind of been more of a self-reflection time of being like, okay, so obviously, I mean, Lord willing, this doesn't happen again, but if it were to, I would definitely be more intentional with the people I'm talking to and not put work first. So I know I kind of like navigated your question a little bit, but I think that it's been just really like major self-reflection time of being like, okay, yeah, this sucks that I am feeling like a little lonely and like I love my roommate and I have family and like FaceTime calls, but like it definitely is hard not spending it with somebody else if I'm being totally honest. Hmm. So I don't really have tips whether than just like self-reflect and know that when life goes back to normal to not take advantage of that time and be more aware of like you can put work secondary and like put like that social or time alone with people and make that very like personal and like a priority. I also think your situation is pretty unique too because it sounds like you have, still have a pretty full workload. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that most people are either like I was talking to my friend yesterday and she was like, yeah, we got like I would say like a lot of people are getting laid off, whether it's temporary or permanent. But so they're, you know, they're having to find ways to fill their time entirely versus you. You're still focused a lot on the work that you have to get done, which I, I think is probably a good thing. Right. And I think that it's, it's, I don't know, it's just hard because I think, I hope this does kind of do a wake up call for all of society right now um, of just when we go back into the wild or however you want to phrase it to just be like very intentional with people and now it's like we're almost so oversaturated with like virtual dating that it's, I think it's people are going to become sick of it and want to do more of the in-person, which I think could kind of be a blessing coming out of this. Really? I think I'm nervous it might go in the opposite direction. Everybody's freaked out to be within six feet of each other right now. 
you know, who's to say in two months when we start going back to normal life that people still aren't going to be freaked out being close contact with each other, close contact with people they don't know. It's funny that you mentioned this because literally just this morning, because China is considering itself to be back to normal, right? And uh, today, they let me read this real quick. So at this national park in China, thousands crammed together Saturday, some still wearing masks as the park reached its daily capacity before 8 a.m., according to the state media. So the, the next day that the state that the parks were open, they were so packed, more packed than they've ever been. So I guess at least in China, Whoa. Which, which I don't know if China is an indicator of what's going to happen in the Western world, too. But um, it seems like people are ready to like, rear and to get back outside. But I do agree. Some people are going to be more cautious. I think I remember hearing that um, airline companies have cut their fleets by 25 percent for the next five years because they just think people are going to be traveling less, too. Interesting. Well, it's going to be like uh, Tori and I were talking about this before we went on the air. Like, when am I going to feel comfortable enough to walk into a restaurant where I'm bumping elbows with people or into a movie theater where the guy behind me is coughing? You know, it's like, when is that? When am I going to be psychologically okay to feel like I'm safe? Um, Because I don't know. I mean, honestly, like I'm I'm ready to go back outside and knock on wood. I have nothing to complain about. I'm in the house with my wife and right now everybody's healthy and my family and loved ones are healthy and we're staying in and we're very lucky that we have electricity uh, and power and the ability to Skype and continue with this podcast. Like I have nothing to complain about, but it is interesting. Like in my mind, like how, like when am I going to feel comfortable enough to just think about like seeing my parents? Cause then in my mind, like what if I'm carrying it and I'm asymptomatic and even though we've flattened the curve, like I can still spread the disease without knowing it. Or I don't know. It's just, it's it's kind of what I've been thinking I mean, about. I think we have to also look in a less negative viewpoint a little bit, Jared, and know that, you know, someday there will be a vaccine or, you know, like there'll be, there'll be ways like they've already found out that if you do um, like a Z-pack and this other thing I can't Hydrochloroquine. Yes, a lot of people are being healed. Um, one doctor had like 25 out of 25 patients healed. So he had a complete success rate. Um, so there's like a lot of new discoveries. There is some new discoveries, absolutely. And I mean, I there is a lot of skepticism around the combination of a ZPAC and hydrochloroquine. It's not, it, there's a lot of upside and, and, uh, and positivity, but you know, um, also just nobody knows right now. And so I think, yes, see, this is what I was talking about earlier in terms of corpse that Ashley's getting tired of is my negativity and and pessimism where, because like, (laughs) of course, yes, of course there's going to be a vaccine, but the vaccine, if we're lucky, will not be put out for another year. And so from everything I'm hearing, again, my negative Nancy side, is that they're most likely, even when this first wave starts to dwindle, over the next couple of months and we get into summer months, there most likely will be a second wave in the fall that we should be obviously well more prepared for because going through the first time, but there still will not be a vaccine. Hopefully we'll have a better understanding of the virus. But the, this this virus is so freaking crazy too. Not to go all virusy again here, but like it's, it's hard not to talk about, but like it's crazy how some people like 25 to 50 percent of the people this is what the cdc was saying potentially will have no symptoms from getting this will be asymptomatic 25 to 50 percent of the people that get it 
while this virus is also killing other people. And not just like young people are getting sick in the United States now. You know, the numbers are going up for between like 25 to 40. So it's just, it's like crazy how this virus is deeply affecting some people while others are walking around with no symptoms. It's insane. Yep. All right, for the next relationship question, is it okay for your partner to still This is why Ashley's getting tired of me, because I go into this, like, deep dive of coronavirus. Is it okay for your partner to still have pictures of their ex on Instagram or on their phone? Ooh, Dean, you answer this one. Is it okay for someone to have pictures of their ex on Instagram or their phone? Is the question, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, I think I've deleted all my Instagram posts of exes. Uh, I also definitely don't have any in my, well, I mean, I still have some in my photo album, I guess, but just because I never took the time to go back and delete them. I think, I think it's, I think it's okay either way. It really just depends on what the person is comfortable with, really. Like I had pictures of my exes up for a while, but then one day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to delete those. That's kind of weird. So I think it can kind of go either way. I feel like if it's a wedding photo and your ex is in there, keep the photo. But if it's like them personally, it doesn't do any harm of like deleting or at least archiving it. Yeah. I guess my, my thought when I delete them was I was like, what benefit is this serving me for staying up? Absolutely none. And so for that reason, I'm going to delete them all. Like there was no re- that 0% of any reason for them to be on my Instagram. Uh, and so I deleted them all. All right. Well, let's yeah. let me ask the reverse question, Dean or Tori. If you went on an ex's social media page and saw all the photos of you two have been deleted, how would that make you feel? Would that bother you at all, or would you be really upset about it? I don't think I'd be bothered by it if it was an ex. If I if I was dating someone. We broke up and then deleted all the photos of us. I don't think I would really worry too much. I would just be like, yeah, that makes sense. I think that if anything, it kind of brings healing to a situation of when you, I'm not very sensitive to exes being on your social media because that was a time and place that you two had together. Um, But at the same time, I think that if I was viewing into my ex's profile and he deleted everything, I'd be like, okay, this actually brings closure that like, this is kind of for sure done, which kind of sounds pathetic relying on Instagram for that. But sometimes it can bring that extra amount of closure to be like, okay, yeah, we're not going to like just jump back and be like, are you up kind of thing? You know, is that how you jump back into a relationship with a you up text message? I feel like they linger a lot, you know? Oh, they linger all the time. Yeah, I I don't think it, it it doesn't really bother me. Obviously, it's more see I'm the type of person I have I I'm terrible at letting things go, um, and so even we talked about this many times on the podcast. I don't think you should really stay friends with an ex, and it's like something that I try to not only do I preach, but I try to practice in my own life. Um, but it's hard, especially when you, you know, you have an ex that you just, you think so highly of and you're like, even though it didn't work out, I, I think so highly of them and I love them as a person. Um, so I, I, yeah, it doesn't bother me and I would delete it, but I don't know. I guess it's just weird. It's like that weird moment when you're like, yeah, no, this is officially done. I'm deleting all my pictures. It's like, you're trying to erase that time from your memory even though you experienced it and it was real and it was very meaningful to you, 
you know, deleting it off social media kind of symbolizes like I'm deleting this from my memory, so to speak. It's this weird dynamic. Anyway. I think for people in our position, Jared, uh, I, I felt like by archiving photos of my ex from even before going on the show, I was like, well, I'm doing this for her too, in a way. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, I, my Facebook has always been private, and I didn't have Instagram or Twitter before the show. And so it was just never really an issue. Um, but but somehow people still found out. Like, uh, I remember talking to her one time, and she said this magazine reached out to her. I forget what magazine it was, but this was when I was on The Bachelorette. And they wanted her to write an article about what it's like to have an ex-boyfriend on, on The Bachelorette. I was like, how, hmm. f- how, how did they find out, like, who you are? They'd have, like, my Facebook is private. So, like, one of my friends that I approved somehow got the information. I don't know. Just a weird world we're living in, my friend. Weird world. All right, Jared, we're going to wrap up here. I'm going to read this last email from Anonymous, a.k.a. Nick Vial. Uh, and then we're going to go ahead and dissect it, if that's okay with you. Dean, of course it's... you. Yeah, it's okay with me. <laughs> We're a of dragon here. I just wanted to make sure the other head was approving of what's going on. Um, all right, so Anonymous has to say, uh, my best friend's girlfriend is the title of this email. They say, my best friend and her boyfriend have been dating for almost four years now, and we've hung, all hung out maybe four times, all of which have gone pretty bad. I'll give you an example. For her birthday, me, her, and our other close friend all got dinner and a movie. We were having a great time, but she wanted to leave early and was obviously upset. The best part to me is he didn't even pay or offer to pay me back for his part of the dinner and movie tab, LOL. I try to be understanding and give him the benefit of the doubt because I really do care about my friend. I would just like to get her to realize he needs to become a part of her life too. What are your thoughts from a male perspective on everything? Is there anything else to do or say on my end? So it sounds like she has a friend who has a boyfriend who doesn't really like to be involved in her life outside of their relationship. I mean, it sounds pretty shitty. <laughs> if they've been dating for four years and this is her best friend and they've only hung out four times, that's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. What is this, like a long-distance relationship? I don't understand why they don't hang out ever. How is the best friend and the boyfriend not interacted more than four times? And then is he? does he not have a job? Because is that why he can't pay for dinner and movie? Or is he just being a jerk and not even offering? Well, he's just saying that he she was obviously upset and left. So he just hasn't even... It just shows that he doesn't have the perspective that things are going wrong, clearly. Because he would have been like, you guys, I'm so sorry. That was so lame. She did that. Then will request me, whatever. He's just like living in her world. He's not understanding what's going on around it. I mean, I do like, yeah, we just don't know the dynamic of the relationship. Is he always bad to her or is it a unhealthy relationship? I mean, listen, if you're in an unhealthy relationship, which it appears to be because if your best friend and your boyfriend are not seeing each other for more than once a year, then something's up. Then I would reassess the relationship uh, and listen to my best friend's advice. And if you are the best friend who's writing this in, um, I would talk to you. I would talk to I would talk to your friend and talk to him about the relationship and see if she's if it's healthy, if it's unhealthy, how she's feeling. It's been 4 years of her life. I mean, that's a long time to be in a relationship. 4 years, something's got to give. I mean, it'd be hard to bust out of a relationship that long just because your friend thinks that your boyfriend isn't being nice enough to you. But also maybe it's like a jealousy thing. Maybe he doesn't know how to act around her friends because he doesn't want to make her uncomfortable. So maybe he's being a really good boyfriend. Hold on. Say that again. Maybe it's a jealousy thing. 
maybe he doesn't know how to act around his girlfriend's friends because he doesn't want to make her uncomfortable. So maybe he's being overly considerate. You but know? how would that make her uncomfortable? Like, I don't know. I'm just trying to try. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Trying here. to play, get get the back of this guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. It sounds like it's an unhealthy relationship. I don't know though. Who the hell knows? I listen. As the best friend, talk to your friend. You guys are best friends. You should be able to talk about a relationship she has for four years and whether or not she thinks that this is the guy. How's it going? Are you know? Are there any problems in the relationship? I wonder how old they are too. So much context that's left out. I w- Early to mid twenties, or they could be like sixteen. What if this is a high school relationship and they've been dating since you know like seventh grade? Yeah, that would completely change my perspective. All right, so this is nice little segue into if you guys are emailing us, which is what's our email, Tori? I suck at dating at iheartmedia.com. Wow, Tori, your voice got so deep right there. <laughs> I suck at dating at iheartmedia.com. I feel like Dean actually thinks I really sound like that. <laughs> Sometimes. Depends on how early it is in the morning. Um, if you guys are emailing us, please give us a little bit more context because um, we would love to help you answer these questions. But unfortunately, a lot of them are so vague that uh, it's it's hard to really give you guys a, a better answer just because there's so much that we don't know. So if you're emailing us, which we do love, we love the emails, please keep emailing us. Um, but just make sure, you know, maybe give some age, location, no names, obviously, because we don't want to out anybody. Um, but just a little bit better understanding of what the situation is and what you think, what what you're asking us, we, th- you know, what you're asking us exactly, you know, whether you think like in this example, should I be giving advice to my best friend? Should I not say anything? Should I talk to the boyfriend? Um, so just for future, uh, future emails. There you go. And hopefully, uh, like Jared said, for this emailer, just have a conversation with your best friend. Maybe all it takes is that conversation for him to make an effort. And maybe he doesn't even know that he didn't pay you back those types of things. Just have the conversations easy, done with onto the next thing. Communication is key. That's going to do it for today's episode of Help I Suck at Dating. Big thank you to our guest, Judge Lynn Toller. Be sure to check her out on Marriage Boot Camp this Thursday, 10, 9 Central on WeTV. Uh, big thank you to Anonymous for emailing us about your friendship woes. Be sure, to, like Jared said, to keep email, emailing us, I suck at dating at iheartmedia.com. And be specific, maybe like an age or uh, like the extent of these friendships or relationships that's always helpful um what else jared that'll do it follow us uh, on instagram we are at help i suck at dating you can join the facebook group help i suck at dating podcast please rate and review us on um anywhere you listen to our podcast iheart apple devices uh you know be you can give us five stars if you want we're not begging for it but please give us five stars um and write a review let us know what you're thinking about the podcast i know obviously right now we're doing the best we can by skyping in so it's it's tough with all three of us skyping in but I think we're doing a pretty good job and we're working hard. So if you guys have uh, any content uh, that you want us to talk about, please let us know. Comment on our Instagram. Um, send us emails letting us know what you want us to talk about. Uh, any recommended guests that you want us to have on the podcast to talk about relationships, dating advice, anything and everything. Um, so um, we're looking forward to it. And uh, again, thank you guys for listening. You're, you guys are the best. Love Sock Army. Woo! See you guys. Oh, of course. Hopefully next week we suck a little less. Follow Help by Suck at Dating on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts.
It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock. On Thursday, February 29th from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., you can celebrate an extra day of Black History Month with Walmart. This event is free and open to the public at two locations, Flatiron Plaza in New York City and Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles. With giveaways dropping every hour on the hour, it's the perfect time to try, like, and share Black-led products. It's free, it's for everyone, and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with Black-led products that are creating a new world of choices at Walmart. Trust, you don't want to miss it. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.